You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors come to share their stories, insights and tips. Now, back to you, Chris. And now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Kevin Roman. Let me give you some background on Kevin. He is from New Hartford, New York. He was a golf pro here in town in Atlanta at Cherokee Town and Country Club for several years. And Cherokee is one of the most prestigious para clubs, not only in the city of Atlanta, but around the country, membership by invitation only. He's now the director of instruction at Monterey Peninsula Country Club out in Pebble Beach, California. Besides being one of the top instructors in the country, Kevin has, has been a great player. He played in a couple of majors, including the 1993 U.S. Open at Baltus Roll and the 2009 PGA Championship at Hazeltine. He tied for 16th in the 2009 PGA Professional National Championship, advancing to the PGA Championship after a two-hole playoff. He was a medalist in the 2000, or medalist in that 2009 U.S. Open qualifier. And while he was here in Georgia, he was named the PGA Teacher of the Year back in 2014. And I am honored he is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Kevin, thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Uh, real honor to be associated with you and your show. So, Kevin, I want to start by going back to your experiences playing in the two majors I mentioned in your intro, the 93 U.S. Open at Baltusrol, which was won by Lee Jansen. But there were so many great legends of the game in that field, including Jack Nicklaus, you know, who had won a couple of times at Baltusrol, made the cut at age 53. But you had guys like Seve and Greg Norman, Tom Watson, Tom Kite, Raymond Floyd, Payne Stewart. I could go on and on as a part of that field. Talk about how you qualified for that event and what it was like playing in it. Yeah, that was, uh, I was very fortunate that year. Um, we had our sectional qualifier up in, uh, the Long Island area, New York metropolitan area. And basically when I finished the second round, I was told I was going to get in the tournament. But when I went to the other site, I was on the opposite site. It, I found out I was in a 13 man playoff for like six spots. And, you know, we have lots of tour players, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, in my group was Bob Tway. And uh, unfortunate, or fortunately for me, unfortunately for, for him, I'm not sure if he got in, I made like a 50-foot birdie putt to, to qualify. So I was out on the first hole and everybody else had to come back the next day. So it was a pretty exciting moment for me at that time in my career. And Kevin, you and another Georgia PGA professional, Tim Weinhardt, who was the club pro at uh, St. Marlowe Golf Club up in Duluth, Georgia at the mm-hmm. time, you you both made the field for the 2009 PGA Championship, and that was the year Y.E. Yang out to Tiger for the win. But talk about your memories being a part of that event. Well, it was interesting because I don't remember a lot. I got worn out practicing, you know, first event on tour at the 93 U.S. Open, so I took the time to say I was going to enjoy this. And, you know, I was fortunate to play with Tim uh, in the last round of Nationals, and he had a chance to to win. We were on the 14th hole, and I needed to make a birdie to kind of get back into it. And uh, he actually made a couple of mistakes down the end, which was sad to see. But um, at the tournament, I took a lot of time to enjoy the moment, not have any expectations, just wanted to have a good time with family and friends. A lot of them came from Cherokee and Georgia. So we just had a good time. We rented a house and we had dinner every night with everyone. Um, but the tournament wise, 
you know, I was fortunate. I played a practice round with Rory McIlroy, Louis Eustazen. I was also paired with Matt Kuchar and Louis Eustazen in the tournament. And I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time with uh, Matt Kuchar's coach, Chris O'Connell, and with Matt at a lot of tour sites. So the small world that's kind of come full circle uh, at that tournament was pretty cool. And Kevin, as I was looking over your scorecard from the event, you eagled the par five seventh hole in the second round, and that's a hole that's got a pond up there on the left, a very tricky hole, and, and you go and you eagle. It had to be a huge thrill to make eagle there. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I just I hit it to the just I remember that one to the right side of the green and I had a chip across the green and you know, fortunate went in. It was pretty cool that one of our members at the time, Marcus Fallen in at that time, and actually had a videotape and put it on YouTube. Not that you could see a lot, but it was funny to see him, the reaction of our members. Kevin, I read that prior to your second round that someone actually spilled a Bloody Mary all over you and you had to go buy new clothes in the pro shop. What happened? Ah, who really knows? I mean, it just there's people all over the place and, you know, a lot of crowd and people have stuff. They just kind of bump into you. You're coming through the ropes and stuff like that. So things happen and you just kind of go with the flow and go play. It was a lot of fun. So, Kevin, you know, kind of going all the way back to the beginning and looking at, you know, your, you know, tra- how you traverse the country. You go from New Hartford, New York, to coming down here to the Atlanta area, and now all the way out in Pebble Beach. So you've really covered the country. Talk about your sort of how you've, you know, c- you know circumvented the whole country and uh, taking your golf career from New York to Atlanta to out to L.A. area. Yeah, I mean, that's. It, even to this day, I'm still kind of amazed that it's kind of happened this way. I was fortunate, you know, that our old boss at Cherokee wanted people who were decent players at the time. And when my stepdaughter went off to school, uh, the job came available at Cherokee, and I was fortunate to get it. And I was an assistant pro at the time, and I was doing very well teaching, and I was kind of pushed into the teaching realm, which has been a great godsend for me. And I just grew as an instructor. My passion really came out for trying to help people play golf. And my boss saw that, which was a great blessing. And then, you know, things happened for a reason. I truly believe this. After finding out about the opening at Monterey two days before the deadline and somehow getting the opportunity to work what I consider the greatest 36 holes in America. I mean, you get to go play on the ocean every day and, we have a driving range right on the ocean. It's just a special place. Yeah, talk about the Monterey Peninsula Country Club and the courses and the facilities you guys have out there. Yeah, 36 holes. Both courses are ranked in the top 100. Uh, the Dunes course, which is newly renovated like a year and a half ago, has been received as a number one redo uh, with Golf Digest, I believe, last year. And... I love asking guest members, other tour players, which ones they prefer when they come here. And you really get a 50-50 split. Uh, the Dunes is a lot more of a, a lot more difficult course. Uh, greens are a lot uh, more undulated, Fazio design. Uh, Jackson Kahn helped out with that also. And the shore is a little more traditional and flat, more plainer greens, which kind of just have a consistent break across them. Uh, but both of them are world-class, and visually stunning. And Kevin, I also read that the tougher the playing conditions, the more you like it because it makes you focus harder. 
Talk about, you know, yeah. how you're able to ignore the winds, ignore the, you know, whether you're in the desert or wherever you happen to be playing around the golf, why you like the tougher player conditions. Yeah, that's, that's a great uh, question. And I, and I truly believe that. Uh, you know, you go back to Tom Watson used to say he liked playing in poor condition because half the field would give up. And, and that's true. You see so many people complaining about wind, rain, hot, cold, whatever it is. And I truly embrace the challenge. It also makes me um, think about what I'm doing more, where you just don't get up and hit the shot right away. You actually think about strategy a little bit more, think about how to, to do it. When I made the PGA in 09, in our section qualifier that fall, it was cold. The first day was probably in the, the low to mid-40s, and I think I shot like 76. And I was like in 80th place. The next day... Uh, it didn't get above 35. The wind probably blew at least 20 to 25 minimum. And I was fortunate to shoot 68, and I went ended up third. Uh, so I made a big leap just because of the weather. And I've always just, coming from upstate New York, you learn to play in all kinds of conditions. So I think it eliminates some of the field, and it allows you to make up a lot of ground. Kevin, I heard that you, if you had one course to play every day, you would pick TPC Sawgrass in Jacksonville. Talk about why that is. You know, that's the course where I think you use every club in your bag. Uh, the conditions, I've only had the fortunate to play it uh, one time. Um, but the conditions change all the time with the wind different directions. Uh, you got very difficult lives if you miss hit shots. And I just enjoy challenge of playing the game. I mean, I'm not one who's worried about posting a good score all the time. I just like to be challenged to see how good I can become or if I can pull off certain shots that are there. And that course, really, as you can tell by the winners of the tournament there, it's not uh, beneficial to any one type of player. Anybody can win there because you got to control and hit all the shots in golf. Kevin, I want to switch it up and, and talk a little bit about instruction. And I wanted to get your thoughts. If, if a new student comes to you and says, you know what, Kevin, I really want to get better and I really want to improve my game, whether it's a, a junior golfer who's coming to you because they want to play high school level or AJGA or into college golf, or it's just a recreational golfer like me who says, you know what, I want to break 80. How do you jointly go about helping that particular golfer achieve that goal? Yeah, that's a great question because I look at lessons are, are either constructive, uh, meaning you're trying to construct someone's game from the ground up, or just corrective, meaning they're kind of off the rails today for, you know, instead of being an 18 handicap, they're playing to a 23, they just want to get back to their 18. So I think we have to be as instructors um, aware of what the student really wants out of the game. I've been fortunate. I was actually talking to a couple of uh, – kids today or play with one yesterday that's going to be going to play a firm and next year i've been fortunate to have nine kids recently uh currently in playing division one golf and i just think getting people to enjoy getting better and understanding where their weaknesses are and how to practice is key um, i do a lot of games or skill challenges with all the kids to get them to do that and building a golf iq meaning if you put a ball in the rough, how do you get out with the best avenue strategy is really important. I don't think enough people are taught the nuances of playing the game versus trying to make a perfect-looking golf swing. So I really work on just trying to 
how do I maximize the player's skill to get the ball in the hole than trying to build a beautiful-looking golf swing? You know, my mentor, uh, Jim Hardy, always talks about the secret to golf is just a correct repetitive swing. How you do it doesn't matter. And I truly believe in that. And just getting people to hit the ball better gets them to come back and play and practice more, which just kind of builds upon itself. And Kevin, I want to build upon what you just said a moment ago, because I think it, it is something that is missed a lot of times, and, and that is taught how to actually play the game from a strategy perspective, not a swing perspective, not a technical perspective, mm-hmm. but the strategy and playing the game and thinking your way around a golf course. Talk about how you ingrain that in your players. You know, one of the things that recently, in the last couple of years, I was influenced by uh, Scott Bosset a decade and I personally use that system um, as I've played, and I've had a really good year this year playing. Last year, I didn't play much because of moving to the West Coast, so I only played like one tournament. Basically, getting people on the course, and I'll ask them what they're trying to do, and then I'll explain what I would do and why. You know, it's a lot. It's really eye-opening that most people, when they come to the golf course, have no idea where to aim, that they're always aiming from point A to point B, but not realizing just playing different angles gives you a bigger margin of error that you can make swing mistakes and yet still score well. Most people try to play the perfect shot all the time and end up costing themselves a lot of shots. Kevin, uh, one more thing before we let you go, but uh, wanted to get your thoughts on Plain Truth Golf. Talk about what that mm-hmm. is. Yeah, Plain Truth Golf is uh, Jim Hardy and Chris O'Connell, which have been obviously the most instrumental in my career. I've seen a lot of teachers and heard a lot of speeches. And the first 15 minutes at the a teaching or certified teaching seminar that they give was eye-opening in the sense that anybody can fix anybody's swing immediately just by changing if they're too shallow, adding a little steepening element or vice versa to their swing so you can get immediate results in the player and make them better. The old, you got to get worse before you get better, we don't believe in, or Jim doesn't, he's meant to, you know, he's put that into us in our system. Um, we've got instructors literally all over the world, and we're into the motto that hit the next shot better. Doesn't mean it's a perfect shot, but it's a lot better. Um, there's a big misconception out there that Jim will talk about when Chris one and two playing swings, but that's just kind of in our minds, kind of a swing category that people look in. But when it comes to fixing someone and getting them to hit it better, it's all about they're either too steep or they're usually too shallow and just kind of go the opposite direction and they're going to hit it better right away. Kevin, let our listeners know, how can they follow you and stay up to date with the things you're doing, whether it's online or it's on social media? Yeah, uh, on Twitter, I use Kevin Roman Golf. Um, I just go by Kevin Roman on Facebook and I'm out at uh, Monterey Peninsula Country Club. So if anybody gets out there, you know, we'd appreciate a phone call. I'd like to say hi and, and meet y'all. That'd be great. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for taking time out of your evening to come and be a part of the show. I, I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. Love to keep track of what you're doing and have you come back and share more of your playing lessons and your insights. It's been great having you here tonight. Oh, it's been an honor. And, you know, anytime you want, I'm happy to join you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Kevin. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. You too. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody else also. That is Kevin Roman. Again, he's out at Monterey Peninsula Country Club out in Pebble Beach, California, and is uh, one of the great instructors out there. So if you're out in that part of the country, 
please go see Kevin. Give him a follow online and on Twitter. Uh, it's great having him here. Hopefully we get the opportunity to catch up with him again uh, sometime around the beginning of the year. But uh, really enjoyed having Kevin as part of the show tonight.